Yeah, I mean, let's just jump back for a second, just to give our listeners a little bit of background on you. How did you get into the mortgage world? Like, what what is your background? Oh, wow. My background, actually, I've never been a banker, don't want to be a banker. I've been a broker since I've been uh, for over 20 years now, actually. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Refined Real Estate Podcast. This is episode 15. We are excited to bring a guest on this week. Our guest is Blake Wilson, owner of Blake Wilson Group, powered by The Mortgage Group. He is a broker here in Halifax, and he's got years and years of experience doing all kinds of real estate deals. Um, so we're here to share a little bit of that knowledge with you guys today. But before we get into it, uh, again, just a reminder, this is we're Ian, Ian and our owners of Refined Real Estate. Um, our other co-host, Manny, is not here with us today. Um, but we are all real estate investors in Halifax. Ian and I are mortgage broker, associate mortgage brokers with Blake at his brokerage. And just before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe if you're listening and watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating, all that good stuff. It helps a ton. Uh, and if you have any feedback, please let us know. Drop us a comment, send us a DM. You can reach us at Refine Real Estate NS on Instagram. Um, but yeah, so today, like I said, we, we chatted with Blake. It was fantastic having him on. Thank you, Blake, so much. Um, yeah, we just talked about a bunch of great stuff. We talked about interest rates, how they are kind of like the new COVID. It's sort of like the hot topic these days. Uh, I talked about strategy and having a team and partners and how you, that can help you reach your goals. We explained a little bit more on private lending. We talked about some myths in financing and we touched on a lot of different examples as well. Um, so yeah, no, super excited to be bringing this episode to you guys. Yeah, no, definitely, uh, some really good points in there. Um, as I'm, I sort of mentioned through the podcast and as Janelle and I have been talking, like, you know, intra or like real estate investing is all super exciting and we learn all these wonderful things, but sometimes we'll neglect how important the financing is. And, uh, you'll hear us mention in the show that it's, uh, yeah, it's, it can make a good deal great and it can make a great deal good. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really something that, uh, you know, you, you want to work with the right people on and that could make a world of difference on your investing. Perfect. All right, let's get into it. So we have a couple of different things that we want to chat about today, most of all being financing, because I know a lot of investors out there have a lot of questions about financing, what's available to them, how can they finance, uh, what goes into it, all that good stuff. So yeah, we are just going to get into it. And I think the main points that we want to cover is talking about a strategy and a team and partners that you want to work with to help you reach your goals. We want to talk about some private lending and just some debunking some myths in the private in the lending space. So yeah, let's get into it. Welcome, Blake. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just great. I'm doing just great. These these podcasts are all new to me, but this is uh, we're gonna have some fun here today. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess you know one of the key points to hit on is for all investors. Like we work with, I guess to give some perspective, uh, my team works with a lot of different real estate investors, self-employed individuals, and even just people doing first-time home buying. But where we do both commercial, residential, and private financing, we see a wide breadth of uh, transactions. So I guess seeing people that want to grow, and I'm guessing if you're tuning into this podcast, you probably want to grow a portfolio. So my advice would be really, you got to have that blue sky session and figure out where you want to be, where you want to go. And every decision you make, you have to look, is that going to get me closer to there? And that's always going to evolve as you're continuously growing. 
but that's something to always be cognizant of. And also choose your partners wisely as you want to grow because gone are the days where you can have one lender. You really need a, a stable of lenders and for different situations, different types of deals and whatever else. But even we have some clients that are the most bankable of clients, but you know, they need, they need to diversify their lending portfolio in order to be able to uh, achieve their, their goals and objectives at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, let's just jump back for a second. Just to give our listeners a little bit of background on you, how did you get into the mortgage world? Like, what what is your background? Oh wow, my background actually, I've never been a banker. Don't want to be a banker. I've been a broker since I've been uh, for over twenty years now, actually. Um, and uh, my background is actually insurance and risk management. Uh, so I've worked with everything from individuals to some of the world's biggest corporations managing risk. Uh, whereas now it's a, it's a little it's a lot more fun because before you'd basically go to market, get insurance. Here's a piece of paper that says I'll pay if shit happens. No one gives a crap if you save the money on insurance. Really, they don't give a crap. It's still a cost. Whereas now, you know, you go to market, you come back with bags of money and they're happy. So I really enjoy what I'm doing a lot more. And, you know, it allows the previous light, though, all we really have to do is banking is a snapshot in time. And also lenders have risk certain risk appetites. So what we like to do is upfront, we mitigate all the risks that you might hit along the way and think the transaction through kind of from start to finish in order to be able to come up with solutions for the clients, I guess. Yeah. And that's a great point that you had there. And I think that's, um, I think I know for myself as a newer broker, understanding that, that it's a snapshot in time. Uh, I think that's a, the biggest understanding that I had. Uh, Cause I was always thinking about like it, it as a whole and then understanding that really you want to have it um, tied up in a neat little bow, as you say. Oh, it, it's weird. I'll give you a really example to, about the snapshot in time. Like, some people with, with a lot of people with their credit card, for example, you might use it on a monthly basis. For example, that snapshot in time, that credit pull we do shows a certain balance, but the lender might need to see it at zero for that snapshot in time to see that it's paid off. So you debt service, so you can buy that property. That's more for under four units, not commercial properties, but for your debt servicing or, or whatever else. So it might be like, Hey, I just paid it off last month, but now it's at this. The lender still wants to see it paid off for that one snapshot. Next day, you can go max it out again. Um, but, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's weird things that sometimes clients don't always understand, but really it is just that whole snapshot in time type scenario. Perfect. And then, so just to chat more about it, what you were discussing, having a strategy and a team and, um, and partners for investors, uh, just to speak to as an investor, if you're thinking about buying your first property, second property, property, third property, and if you go to a broker, like what, what should that conversation look like? Um, well, I guess that'll depend on where you step into, but I guess when we start off with clients, I like to really, there's usually a transaction involved in some cases. Other times it's just, what am I pre-approved for? Because it's hard to go shopping if you don't know what you can buy. In this market, it's pretty tough because you almost have to be open to different opportunities versus just, you know, Hey, I want this one widget because you're not going to find it. So it's really, it's, it, you know, it gets broad in general from the first conversation. And again, it goes to that whole blue sky session. You know, where do you want to go? What do you want to buy? What do you want to do? Sometimes I have someone call and say, Hey, I want to do an insured purchase to buy this. And I'm like, okay, it's your first time. Great. But is your plan to move out of that one pretty quickly? And you, you know, you're hearing the buzz and you've listened to some other podcasts and stuff and you want to build the portfolio. Don't try to do it, I guess. Uh, yourself that way. And I guess from a broker experience is that we aren't tied to any one lender. We work for you. On the residential side, there's no cost for our services. Commercial is fee for service. Um, but I can say that generally, you know, from a time saving standpoint and an overall deal approval standpoint, strategy standpoint, you know, most of our clients are repeat clients. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's like 
the analogy that you would see, it's like a lot of times you could go out there, go shopping for yourself, try and find and navigate this very complicated world. It's the same way as if you were doing a renovation on your house and you were like, well, I can save the money. I'll do all the electrical. And if you don't really know how to do all the electrical, you're going to run into problems. You're going to have to figure out, you know, or you're going to have to backpedal. It's going to cause you a bunch of stress, a bunch of headaches, all this stuff. The uh, lending world is equally if not more complex than you know some of these uh niche projects type deals so it's it's you know maybe if it were just one you know little flip off here or whatever it might be yes that might be an option but this is more specific to people that are looking to scale looking to grow their portfolios looking to you know find the best terms all that stuff that's where it makes the most sense so well, and to give an example of that, it's like, say you have a set amount of money and you want to grow to a certain amount. If you're working a salary job or whatever else, it's a matter of how do you recycle that capital? If you go and you do that one purchase, how are you going to get to the next purchase? How are you going to get to the next purchase? So some of it's even just that. Or for example, maybe you're looking at three different opportunities and there's three lenders for the first deal. There's only one lender for the third. And because of how you paste it, it just doesn't work out. And even an example there, like I've had extremely bankable clients with one of the major banks. Well, I sent them the third deal and they're like, oh my goodness, they're growing too fast. So it's like, slow down guys. And it's like, well, come on. So, you know, again, that's where you really, lender selection is really important. And one thing I will caution you is to, you listen to buzzwords. Oh, buzzwords. Oh, on six units, credit unions will do 80%, for example. Like, yeah, they'll do 80% of it debt services, but in the current environment, rates are quite a bit higher. So it's a little tough to debt service thing. So it, it can be, you might only get 65%. So you really got to be cognizant and of what you're looking at, what your strategy is and uh, what to kind of buffer you might have if things go sideways. Yeah. And just to back up there. So when we speak of debt servicing, uh, we're basically saying, okay, this property, uh, like not related to say my income or my partner's income, anything like that. They're just looking at the building and it's, it, it's saying, okay, does this, building by itself make enough money to pay off all the expenses and leave a little bit of buffer. So um, with rising interest rates and uh, rising house prices, all this type of stuff, it's harder to find these types of properties. So that's why you have to get so creative with some of the, the ways you're lending on it. So, Yeah. And just the way that learning, learning more about the financing world and learning more about the different lenders and all of their particulars I think that is something that I had a misconception on when I was younger and just getting into that, getting into it is thinking that the banks are just this sort of like nameless like face to them. And the reality is like, that's not the case at all. Like you're smiling, like you're laughing at me. You're like, dad, no, of course. Um, but just from my experience, like realizing what like a, a relationship it is between like the broker and the bank and the bank and the client, whoever it is. And, just like their particulars, like as the market changes ever so slightly, like you said, when mm-hmm. rates are going up and, and then lenders want to start seeing X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, the big thing too, is even the big banks, they're, they're segmented into departments. So there's the small business, there's the medium and then the large. So you might have a deal that's small one day and larger the next day. So it's like the banker might send you in the wrong direction because they just don't know. You just sometimes you don't know what you, what you don't know. They don't know what their other facilities can do. And, and whatever else. A lot of our clients were doing a residential refinance to aid a commercial purchase or maybe even doing a private deal over here. So mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of different things that kind of play into it. And that's where it's hard to play the game yourself if you don't know how to play the game. So 
And, you know, it is great to listen to things like this and get tidbits and things. But, you know, people like to talk about success stories. They don't like to talk about what's really under the hood sometimes, right? Like sometimes some of these things are built on hopes and dreams. And, you know, we can sometimes make that happen because you piece it together properly, right? Another thing, too, is you don't want to burn or cycle lenders. There's only so many lenders out there. There's only so many residential lenders that will calculate rental income a certain way. I've said to clients like, hey, you only qualify with one lender to do it this way for all your rentals. If you want to buy this and do your fix it up and refi in six months, yeah, I don't wouldn't do that with this lender. I'd probably use a private lender in this case because it makes more sense. You're going to use less cash. You're going to probably borrow less from your friends to do it, the renovations or whatever else you might be planning on doing. But at the end of the day, you didn't burn that lender because lenders don't make money if you pay it off quickly. And that's how we keep good relationships with lenders is we don't have a big book of clients doing that or we get a bad name doing that and, and whatever else. Um, so just, yeah, really uh, banking is a lot different, a lot more complex. And even if you walk into the branch, if you're lucky, the banker you're talking to knows all the bank's own products, but there's so much out there, right? And that's where you can't expect them to know everything. So like, like we said earlier, have a strategy, choose your partners to work with yep. that understand what your long-term goals are going to help you get there. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly that. And and like you said earlier, just not to be short-sighted on financing and, and why it's so important to have, like you said, that blue sky session with your team, with your partners, with your broker. And then you can, and what I often hear is when I'm speaking with someone now, uh, I'm talking about their, we're asking about their goals and they're saying, I want to do this. And then what they're saying, their steps to get there, like they're not matching up. And yeah. then, and then we pick out, it's like, wait, wait, wait. You said your goal was cash flow, but you're talking about getting it, getting to your goal this way. Like that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we often find like those little pieces of gold of like, wait, like you have this property over here and you have that much equity in it. Like let's run with that. We see a solution for you. Yeah, actually, I have a great example for two of those points. One of them is, um, you know, I had a client said this, this property has to cash flow for me to buy it. But their goal is to fix it up and refinance it. They have a ton of equity. They have some cash, a good amount of cash to purchase, plus a lot of equity in their house. And I'm like, actually, you want the opposite. You want zero cash flow. You want that vacant property. Because a bigger problem, we're going to get into interest rates later on. But um, the bigger problem is tenants, getting tenants out, getting the rents up. Like, you know, going from the $600 rents up upwards to get some of these lifts. I'd much rather have a property with zero cash flow. You know, maybe even as is, where is that's a, a flippers or someone doing a burr. That's their dream, right? The more work you have to do to a property, the better. If you have equity or cash, you can tag another property on the private side and, uh, and make it all happen and churn it over. The risk right now is you buy a property and you get the tenants out, like, especially with some of the recent decisions. So like that becomes, uh, that becomes challenging. The other thing is too, is that the point of, you know, a good partner will challenge you on it. I'll give an example with a client. He had a few million dollars he'd gotten from a sale of a business and he wanted to buy some real estate because he wanted to diversify and whatever else. He didn't necessarily care about the fact of, you know, flipping it and whatever else because he wanted longer term investments. But just because he had cash, this realtor partner was sending him all these rooming houses. And like I looked at three or four deals for him. Could I have financed them and made a paycheck? hundred percent. But I challenged him on that and he didn't buy them because I'm like, this is going to kill all your capital. It's going to be a pain. You don't want to deal with this and you're going to lose it all in management fees and it's going to be hard to sell. But don't get me wrong. Rooming houses are great for the right uh, buyer. In his case, it wasn't getting him towards near what he wanted for goals and objectives. So yeah. you have to really, again, have that strategy and always look at things back to your strategy and have partners that will challenge you on that. Perfect. 
Yeah, like with the goals and stuff, like, and we see this on, you know, all levels of uh, experience in real estate or whatever it might be. But, you know, you, you'll go out, you'll say, these are the goals that I have and this is how I want to get them. And then like two weeks later, you'll, you'll bring something completely out of the blue into the mix. And it's just like, well, well, this doesn't even line up with your goal. It's just like, you know, that shiny object syndrome. And we've, uh, we've touched on that in some of the past, uh, podcasts. So again, it's nice to have someone else just holding you accountable to like, you didn't say this when you were talking about your goals. So yeah, yeah. another, another touch point there. Yeah. And just to jump into something really, really quickly here, I we want to talk about rates and where, like why rates are the way that they are. Um, so I just wanted you to speak to that two minutes as we said, sure. um, just, talking about fixed rates and variable rates and where those numbers come from. Okay. So I guess let's first of all, start off by interest rates seem to be the new COVID in the news, right? Like who's yeah. heard about like, COVID recently, yeah. you know, but, <laughs> but it's all about rates, 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 rates. Yeah. Like rates are just a cost, especially as an investor. It's a, it's a line item. Like you're not really paying all of that. Like leverage points can be more important. There's obviously cash flow can be important longer term, but if you're growing, it's, you know, I have some clients that don't care about cash flow, even if it's negative, as long as they're, um, getting more cash to keep fueling the machine, machine and they'll refi at some point. But, yeah. uh, to answer the direct question, I guess. So there's the difference is there's fixed rates and there's variable rates. Variable rates are set based on the prime rate of a bank, uh, which currently is 6.7%. So on home equity lines of credit, generally it's like plus like 0.5 or plus one, depending on the lender, maybe less on exception. There's variable rates, which are based off the bank's prime rate currently at 6.7%. You'll have home equity lines of credit, which are like prime plus 0.5 to 1, sometimes an exception, a little bit less, depending on the, the limit, et cetera. Um, but right now, we're having a weird kind of space where on a, on a mortgage, it'll be prime minus generally. In the height of the rate craze, we saw prime minus 1.2%. Now it's ranging from prime minus 0.95 to prime, you know, even prime plus on some rentals with some lenders. So uh, you really see a big push pushing people towards fixed rates almost. And it's, it's, it was just kind of interesting, but fixed rates are based on bond yields, which is the bond market where mortgages are bought and sold. Uh, so, and, and that also goes into the commercial space where you'll hear people talk about uh, CMHC loans, where it's the Canadian mortgage bonds plus the spread by the lender. And that's the spread, which are basically, which, which varies based on different lenders and deal sizes, et cetera. No, that's perfect. Yeah. And maybe let's just try and simplify that even more. Um, so a prime rate, where does that come from? The government? Uh, sort of. Well, that's, you see all the different rates for the overnight rate for the banks. So the prime rate increases when they increase the overnight rates. So every time you see basically, generally, if you see a 25 basis point increase, prime goes up by, by, by 0.25%. If you see a 50% or 0.5% decrease, it'll drop down. So that's where the, those are tied, but it's not obviously the same number. It's, it is the bank just do have it a little higher. It doesn't go to zero like the overnight rate did back in the uh, the heydays yeah. when, if anything, the problem was really, if anything, the government was buying up too many bonds and we went way too low in rates. So now we're seeing the opposite, but at the same time, the long-term outlook is pretty good because you're seeing the five years at somewhat reasonable levels. Like say, take the best uh, variable we just talked about, say prime minus, let's use prime minus one for an easy number. That's 5.7. Yeah. We have lenders that'll do a five-year fixed at, you know, the mid 4.5, percent range as of today. So like, Again, it depends on that's an insured rate and it depends on what you qualify for, but it's, it's really, they are trying to push people towards that longer term because it will stabilize here at some point. Yeah. And I love that. It depends. It depends. It depends because that's another question that I'm again, like as a new broker getting quite often is what's the rate going to be? What's the rate going to be? And 
honestly, like, I would love to say, hey, it's going to be this, yeah. but it's it, it yeah. depends. It depends. It depends on where it is. Depends on if it's a rental or an occupied. Depends on like your credit score. Depends on how much you're paying percent down, insured, mm-hmm. non-insured, insured. Depends. Yeah, no, rates really depend. They're only one really factor, or only one factor, really. So, you know, you might see rates that are advertised, but that could be for an insured purchase, owner-occupied. It might not be conventional. And again, like we spoke to earlier, lender selection is key. Like, maybe you own a bunch of rentals. The only lender that'll prove you is this lender, and their rate and their rate is 20 basis points higher. What's the big deal? It's 20 basis points. You're really not going to buy the property? Probably not. What you need to be focused on is on the right product for the right deal for the right time based on your own situation. People love to have the table talk of, I got this for my rate and brag about it. But it's kind of like the same of, I made this much on the property or I did this or this was all easy. Like none of these projects are easy. Like, you know, I I can't think of one client that's not had, you know, at least one challenge along the way. There's a, whether it's on construction, it's, you know, hopefully not on the financing portion. They had enough money there because usually you could build in a nice buffer. But yeah. the reality is, is that it's not all roses out there. Yeah, has it been easy? No, <laughs> <laughs> not one. <laughs> yeah, no. And again, like those are just some of the factors, but then you mix in, yeah, some of the tenancy laws around here. You mix in just like the, the just how in the spotlight things are too so you know we're out here trying to improve homes do all this stuff um but you know we're often seen as the bad guys out there so that's that's not uh, a good part of it then construction there's labor shortages uh the price of materials went through the roof like there's like there's yeah just so many factors that make this uh, a challenge but certainly worth it in the long term yeah and like you were saying so you've got things to consider. Yeah, the rate is a part of it. But like you said, it's more or less a line item. And it's like, well, what about the loan to value that you're getting? What like what other things are we bringing? To well, the lo- other than loan rate? to value, amortization, again, partly too, is how many deals, how many, how many properties you have with that one lender? It, will they do it in a hold code? Will they not? Right? Like there's so many, right. so many variations, or maybe we're going to go commercial on this one, which yeah. the rates are higher than residential. There's more requirements. So yeah, like there's there's a lot more keys to it than just rate. It's not a matter of calling what's your rate, and it's just like just go online and find a rate. It's going to be the wrong rate because you're probably not going to get it. You might not qualify for it. So, <laughs> it, you know, it is, yeah. and and really, even just right when we're going to touch more on private financing a little bit later, but like private financing, it's yeah. not it's not cheap, but it's the easy button. You pay, you get what you pay for. They're not looking to if you're doing a larger deal or even a smaller deal, they're not looking necessarily to see that you have. The, the total cash requirement the bank would want to see and have you put your money in up front. It's more based on, based on the property and based on equity. So you're paying a lot more, but if you just build that into your cost of your deal when you're doing your analysis, look at it like another construction cost almost, right? Yep. To get you to the end goal. If it gets you to the end goal, then, you know, it could make more sense. Plus, if you're doing, you know, you're maybe you're, you're, you don't want to ask your parents for the extra money or your friend or family to lend you some cash to get a, a project through to get it through or maybe you have it set chunk of cash or you could do two or three deals at once because you are using private lenders right yeah. again people if you want to hit the gap pedal to the metal the right partner can help you do that if you want to go slow you can help you do that too and like, there's different different approaches for everybody everyone has their own risk tolerance and everyone has their own goals and everyone has you know the timelines they want to get there yeah and that's exactly it like in uh just just i think we'll just jump right into private lending right now and that's our very first deal that we did together we used some private lending on that and it just wouldn't have been possible otherwise like it, in terms of like the renovations that it needed um it didn't fit in the bank's box they like they hate fix and flips yeah well this one in particular it was in a situation where there was a an issue with the uh 
um, the basement needed fixed up or whatever. So yeah, like, you know, we're going to do, and also too, this was an other example too, where if you have the right financing partner, you have a business, you're self-employed, have a business. There was a bit of a cash call on a business. We did two things at once. We got them the cash they needed, but also set them up so they could finish this property. So we could refinance it with a traditional lender. This was solving a bunch of different problems. And I will actually just hit on one thing about a broker versus a bank. Yeah. You shopping around every time you guys go shopping, your credit gets hit. We hit it once. And like with some of our privates, I might have a credit bureau that's six months old. They'll accept that from you in some cases, some, especially if you're a repeat client. Like that's where, like I've seen some clients go from 800 beacons down to 600 and then have their, some of their credits called from different suppliers because they went around shopping too much. So yeah. definitely, you know, that's an important point I wanted to hit on as we're going through this. But, yeah. uh, you yeah. Perfect. And I think I just, uh, an important distinction to make is the, cause we've talked about like private lending in the past where, yeah, we'll go to the friends and family, the business connections and raise, you know, a couple, you know, 10, 20, 30 grand there. But then there's also like an institutional private lending. So I don't know if, uh, if anyone was confused on that, but, uh, yeah. That's just a distinction. And that's one thing, actually, while we're kind of hitting that with the, you know, choose, if you're going to go the private route, you really want to do your diligence on the lender. There's a lot of lenders out there that are a bit vulturistic to the loan yeah. to own type things. You know, we traditionally use a certain stable of lenders for most transactions because, A, we have the track record and we get better deals for our clients because we, we pull them off, I guess. But at the same time, it's also, if things do go a little sideways unplanned, then they're there. Like, you know, I'll give you an example. I had a client that was trying to build, had CIBC was the lender to start with. Uh, they basically said, until you get, you know, this, put this a million dollars basically into this, we're not going to let you build anymore. We're not giving you a draw. So he was at a standstill. We, you know, used a private lender, tagged some properties, got, got him draws and got it moving. COVID hit, it slowed him down a little bit. Costs went up. It went a little, you know, and there are some other issues in the project that we won't necessarily get into. Point being is though, the lender could have foreclosed about six times if not more than that. They worked with the guy because communication was there. He sold off a few properties and now he still has his prize jewel. That's his cash king. Yeah. So like he still got where he wanted to go because the, and other lenders, honestly, they could have taken those properties from him and made millions of dollars. Instead, he was able to recuperate and he's in a good spot now. And we've successfully taken him out into uh, actually a credit union took it out. So um, it was a kind of a good scenario, right? Versus having someone just take it from you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then, I don't know, is there anything else that we want to touch on in regards to private lending or any sort of, like, explanation um, of, like, how it works? So, private lending, things? again, they're based on, obviously, look, there's, they're, they're going to base it on the borrower as well and the experience, the track record. A smaller deal, there's less scrutiny. And uh, on a larger deal, obviously, there's more. Um, the cost is, is higher. But I will say, like, from a draw perspective, a lot of times, if you're dealing with a bank or whatever else, they're looking at the cost to complete a project. Whereas they're more looking at progress and percent that, that you're there. And, and what I find in a lot of cases for if you're doing your, the work yourself, especially you don't have the microscope on cost. You're probably getting more. You're generally getting more out of each draw than you're putting into it, which again helps you debt, you know, debt service it as you're rolling and also pay yourself back for some of that sweat equity as you're going. Yeah. Yeah. I got to put food on the table at the end of the day. Absolutely. So I guess, yeah, just, uh, and just another point to overhaul. So again, we've done lots of, uh, past, uh, podcasts on like finding good deals and partnering with people, all that stuff. So finding a good deal, if you, you found a great deal, but if you don't get good financing terms, then it just becomes a average deal and you can find average deals 
and get wicked financing on them, they become good deals. And if you can yeah. find a good deal and you can get the good lending, that's when you get these like grand slam deals that, you know, they can set you up for the rest of your life, set you up to, you know, continue scaling your portfolio, all these good things. So it's definitely a huge piece of the puzzle. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, don't just overlook the financing component. I'm just trying to think, is there any other like kind of main points that you wanted to get across or like, um, well, I guess just look as investors, the hardest part is knowing what you can afford. You walk into the bank and it's hard for them to give you an answer, to be honest. And actually I'll give you an example. Actually, I was having a, a, a blue sky session with another broker on my team and uh, a client. And um, his question was, uh, we're going through it all and he had a ton of equity and some properties. So and actually we're just doing an equity take out of half a million dollars to give him his war chest to go shopping. But basically throughout the first phone call we had, he's like, how do you sound so confident you can do something for me? And I said, well, because you're telling me you have equity. You told me what your business does for cash flow, which means I can do a stated income for you because you kind of give you an idea of profit margin, et cetera. And, you know, again, you have accessible equity that we can go shopping with. So I can say with confidence, we can do something for you. I didn't know at that point until we got all the documents and looked at it fully what lender I was going to. But again, we're brokers. We have access to a lot of different lenders. If you find the right deal and it's a private, that we can close very quickly, right? But in this case, we refinanced two of the properties with alternative lenders using stated income. He's about to get half a million dollars in his jeans, and then he's going to go shopping for that, you know, the next the next thing. And where we already have his information, the nice thing is he gives a quick phone call. We can look at a deal and figure out, hmm, does this make sense or not, right? Towards your goals and objectives and help you benchmark all those things. Perfect. Yeah. But like that person there had talked to countless brokers and banks and had been kind of left in the cold. But that was where he was looking at commercial, residential, and a bunch of other stuff. And, um, you know, we were able to basically give him the confidence to be able to say, hey, get, go get me that money so I can go buy something, right? And in the meantime, if you found something, we could have pulled it off faster. But anyway, here we are. Here's a question for you. I, I know myself included. A lot of other real estate investors, a lot of interested buyers here, like just using Halifax as a reference, um, they go to different brokers in the city. They ask these questions. They're trying to get an idea of what they can do. And they people get a lot of no's um, as a general sense. So when people come to you, you, they definitely, they get a little bit more of a yes, or we think we can do that. What do you think you're doing as a brokerage that sets yourself apart and and makes it possible? Um. Okay, I guess just because we do work in the wide range, I guess, of different types of financing, it does open it up a little bit. Um, some of it is, I guess, let's give the example, you walk into the bank. I've had deals where they try to get it done at, say, TD Branch. The branch said no. Then we just, we deal with TD as a lender. And just for fun, I actually, we go get the approval of TD just to show that, you know, hey, that banker also does, they're, they're opening bank accounts. Their focus isn't mortgages all day. We know the rules very, very well. Like Scotiabank, for example, we have direct underwriter with Scotiabank. Like we can get some amazing things done because of our relationship, because we know their risk appetite. We know their rules, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so that definitely makes a big difference. But sometimes it's just looking at it like, you know, asking the right questions, you know, asking someone who's investing like, hey, if you found that fixer upper um, and, you, you know, would you have a friend or family that if we could show them the recipe to pay them back, would they loan you some money to buy that? If yeah. so, maybe we do that private deal. Maybe you have a 2% rate on a property with a shitload of equity that you want to be able to, you want to be able to take out, right? That's where we can essentially help you out there keep that mortgage. We tag a second to borrow from that, fix up the property, uh, either refinance it or flip it off. We have tons of clients doing that right now. Actually, we're closing two of them this week where the, you know, they're tagging one property, buying another, 
the guy actually, client, one of the clients, he right this one here, he's flipping. The last one he refinanced. It depends on the deal, right? In this market, you got to be prepared for everything. And that's where it's hard for a banker, in fairness, to be honest, to be able to give a sense of what do you pre-approve for? And it's like more so I, I look at how much cash or how much equity do you have available? That tells me what you can go shopping for in my eyes. Because commercially, as long as you're, you know, have decent credit you're, and you have even, even if it's lower income, if we can show that you're self-employed or you have other things, even overseas, we've had clients. Like I had a client that made $9,000 on paper, but we did a commercial refinance on, on building over a million dollars because the property debt service, it was based on the property, right? So sometimes you might do, be able to do more than you think you can. And, you know, again, if you have big goals, sometimes maybe it's think, it's think bigger. Um, I don't know. I almost say, you know, sometimes it's like they leave your office and they get excited because the hardest part is, you know, you almost going into a deal, you're worried that they're going to say no, right? Like, whereas we give you a possibility and honestly, look, if we don't think we can get it done, we're pretty blunt because, hey, we only get paid if you guys get paid. We're not going to waste your time or ours. The banker will throw a discussion paper out because you can tell his boss, I did three discussion papers this week, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's where, again, those discussion papers, watch out for those discussion papers. You want to make sure you get one you can actually fund before you go too far uh, down your down the road on a deal. That's not commercial financing, by the way. Yeah. And... And also just ask you, like you said, you've been doing mortgages for how many years now? Uh, Ten. Ten years. And you've owned your own brokerage for how long? Uh, I've had a team of brokers for the last uh, probably five years. Yeah. You're you're obviously very passionate about financing, about mortgages. So what what do you enjoy about it? Like, um, well, I guess it's just in our slogan, you dream and we finance it. Like, really, it's like, I, you know, I've said in a video I did years ago, it's like, tell us what your dreams are and we'll help you make them a reality, right? And even to the point of where other banks have said no. You know, if, if we might say no now, but it's not really a no, it's okay, you need to do this and this and this to get there. Again, like what, like what you've been doing incredibly, incredibly well with the brokerage. Yeah. And, and I see people who've done really, really well in business or life, and it's because they're passionate about it, like they're excited about it. And yeah. I was just curious, like what, what excites you and like what, yeah. Like well, what you know, what excites me is again, like I said, is that, you know, like our slogan, you dream and we finance it. We tell people tell us their dreams, we help make it a reality. And I say to my team that, look, we help make people's dreams come true. In turn, our dreams come true because like at the end of the day, successfully completing transactions, we get paid. So really we're involved in some people's, whether they're buying a house is the biggest investment of their life, right? Like, you know, we get to help people accomplish their goals and objectives. And we take the complex banking is a complex thing. We help help simplify it to make it accessible. I can say probably a good percentage of our clients have no idea how we do what we do, but they don't need to. They just call us. Like we have the, the first time it's hard. We have to build up a file, but once we have a file, like the reason I grew my team was because honestly, most of my clients are repeat clients. I have some clients between all the groups and deals they've done. We've done 20 or 30 transactions for these guys, you know, and it's just, it it kind of builds, right? We become a partner almost like that private banker that I can actually do things like private bankers are limited these days, right? Like, you know, we don't actually have our own funds to lend, but we basically help give you the keys to the funds, I guess. Right. No, I'd say we're all good. Definitely. Yeah. Blake's a fast talker. We uh, went, um, yeah, not too deep into some of this stuff, but it, it, like we said, like these are just a few examples. It's super complex stuff. Uh, But again, we're super willing to work with people uh, it could be first home, could be first investment property, could be, you know, buying this crazy portfolio in anywhere all over the rural Nova Scotia. We've we've done some of those. So, um, but yeah, we're um, we're excited. We we enjoy this stuff. I love. I could chat up like this for yeah. another long time. Yeah, but I chat about uh, financing all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, but yeah, no, Blake, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a pleasure to join you guys and to to share the to share a bit of information here, so you can get an idea of how the financing goes to the broker side. Take some of what's going on up there in the world. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Well, that was another part of growing the whole team is that, like Ian said, I do talk pretty fast, so I'm really good at the blue sky and kind of filling in the gaps and stuff. But you got to have the team to make everything move along, right? So we definitely we take the team approach, and and that works quite well, and we get. Get things done and help people from everything from buying in the smallest condo up to you know large multi-million dollar developments perfect yeah awesome all right guys that's it